Today's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. Our listeners can check out any course or lecture for free today if they go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably Science. Hey everyone and welcome to Probably Science episode 400. 400? That's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. And look who else is joining us. It's Brooks Whelan and Jesse Case. Yo, congrats on 400, guys. 400. <laughs> you may remember them from uh, being the hosts of Probably Science and nothing else. Neither of them have done anything else in their careers. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we, we did it, guys, sort of. We, 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 sort, we sort of did it. Baby, country summer's back. Uh, I, I have. Country summer's back. Yo, this is a science podcast, and the equinox was yesterday, Brooks. This is out of line. Country summer. Oh wait, I just wait. It's, it's country fall. Yeah, it's country fall. <laughs> country <Yeah>. fall. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, so how's everyone been? How's everyone doing? We made it. How's how's everyone's last seven and a half, eight years been? <laughs> oh my God, nothing but perfect for all of us. I, I think I speak for Jesse the most. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty killer, pretty low key seven and a half years. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about you guys? What's what's up? Same, same. Yeah, yeah. nothing of note. How's All right. The- How's the pool, Matt? I mean, how's the pool, Andy? You still? Uh, you didn't hear about the pool? No, I'm joking. Oh, sorry. I've been okay. to your apartment. <laughs> Did Wait, you hear uh, about? No, you're the, the latest thing about that the happened pool. to any of us was that Andy lost his pool. Yes, that's I yeah. didn't. He- I didn't hear any of this. Give me the cliff notes here. Well, I mean, I, we can't say the name, but it turns out someone that we are very familiar with bought that house. Oh, I know that. Yeah, that's, um, all, that's all I meant. Yeah. What? Oh. Okay, tell me who. Uh, I'll tell you off air. Why? Who cares? Because I don't want. Because people have been to my house for pool parties, and I don't want them to come to this person's house and yeah, they're gonna, gonna like they're ask gonna for like writing work. Yeah, they're gonna drop off screenplays and stuff if they yeah. know who yeah. lives there. So Judd Apatow bought the house. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Spill yeah, the I, beans. Come on. We will spill it? them in due time. Check, if check and when we get Brooks. this person. Uh, I, I don't, but I, I'll just say it. Don't tell. Oh, it's been texted to me. All right. Yep. There we go. That's who it is. That's who's in the house. Y- you know, I'll just, I'll try to get this person on the podcast and then we can talk about it. Oh, I, I yeah. Doubt. I mean, sure. <laughs> it's less exciting than I thought. What? Don't worry, listeners. Oh, man. Now we're not going to get him on the podcast if he ever oh, listens God. to this. I wanted, uh, this guy would be welcome guests. I would love to have him. I think he would. I mean, he's done Bridgetown multiple times. Um, yeah. All yeah. right, move. This is bad radio. Whenever no, I listen to podcasts and yeah. they don't tell me it's things, I fucking get uh, all grumpy. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not, li- I mean, I'm not trying to out anybody here, but it is weird that you've done Bridgetown so many times with Lou Diamond Phillips. I, like, <laughs> like yeah. you're obsessed with 1997's Bats, which I thought was a horrible movie. And every every year having a Bats panel. I mean, it, it, it tanked the tanked the festival. It's more that I'm a fan of standing and delivering. Is the yes. reason we've we've had him on so much. Uh, isn't, you know, he in, isn't Lou Diamond Phillips 
Yeah, uh, my isn't he in Young Guns? Who I think is, I think so. He's think in Young so. Guns. Yeah, I got an argument recently about how Young Guns is better than um, fucking The Rock. What do you guys think? Better than The Rock, the movie, not the person. I can't compare movies Both. to people. Young Guns better than the movie The Rock. The movie The Rock is my favorite of those crappy Bay yeah. Bruckheimer movies. But, but also, yeah, you know, but like, Young like Guns Jesse's, isn't crappy. <laughs> and like Jesse said, you know, I've got a certain, you know, we're a little biased. We're a little partial because of the number of times uh, Brother Can You Spare a Dime podcast has played Bridgetown. Yep. And, uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We, absolutely. We love, when, when, we we all got, when we all got our Labamba tattoos. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget laying on that table and crying with you guys holding hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're saying, I'm not a sailor. I'm captain. I'm captain. <laughs> yep. But it's Spanish. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. You're um, excluding me from this. We're con- quoting I don't even, La Bamba. We're quoting the yeah, song La Bamba. That's I just all. don't even know what. Ta- it's not. This is not La Bamba fall. <laughs> okay. It's, it's country, country fall. But you already, when we met you, you already had a tattoo that just said O'Donna. And it was, it was weird, but it, uh, it worked. Was Lou Diamond Phillips also a singer? He played Richie Valens, the late great Richie Valens, oh, in okay. the uh, in the 1989 biopic or biopic uh, La Bamba. I'm going to say it's 89. Could be 88. I don't I know. Just know him as Chavez, Chavez, E. Chavez from Young Guns, and that's about it. And I, uh, you know, and and all around hunk. Yeah, I we just know, we know him as a friend. Yeah, <laughs> and the guy who walks into Jaime Escalante's class and says, "Hey, essay, what's calculus?" Yeah. I but, don't know yeah. what this stuff is. Stand and Deliver, the greatest teaching movie of all time. Nah, thanks. It sounds like a pre-Billy Madison film. I have <laughs> never seen it. <laughs> um, anyway, the point, the point is The Rock was awesome. The Rock was great. Uh, if we, 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 it was the Ig Nobel Prizes announced this week, and Ooh. a oh, bunch boy. of Wait, hold on. Quick, stories. Quick, quick cue, quick cue. Since mm-hmm. this is a science podcast, I've stepped out of the science game. Uh, coronavirus. Real or fake? Ooh, that's. I think that's the, the jury's question, out. Yeah, there's good okay. evidence for both. Mm-hmm. Good people and, on both sides. Yeah. All right. So yeah. it's it's real. So like masks are up to your discretion, and don't tell me how to live my my body, my <laughs> face. Right? Yeah, is that and, the that's the stand of probably science? And if someone disrespects you in a Starbucks, it's perfectly okay to cough on them. Yep. Okay. Just yeah. making sure. I mean, you've always known this is a libertarian podcast first and foremost. So, are libertarians even against this? I I respect libertarians a little bit. I think that would be a key thing that libertarian would be about is like no. nobody can ever tell me what to do with myself. Yeah, it depends so. on the libertarian because I know like Penn Jillette, who's the most vocal libertarian I'm aware of, was very adamantly pro mask and compares not wearing it to drunk driving which he also disapproves of and thinks is not libertarian because yeah, you're okay. other people but yes which, all right that's, yeah libertarian like to me the idea is like hey you take if i want to do heroin i can do heroin but like i'm not gonna then that's like i'm not yeah. bothering anybody i'm just ruining my own life exactly you can do heroin but you can't then drive a forklift right on that well, who's, heroin. who's driving around forklifts on heroin I'd say a large number of forklift drivers. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I just lost that demographic. I, okay. yeah, a minority. No, liber- libertarians. libertarians minorities? Matt. <laughs> a minority of forklift drivers. But I, I reckon there's... If, if any of our listeners are forklift drivers currently on heroin, write in and remember to mark your envelope heroin. Yeah, you can't... You oh, yeah. can't. oh, you know what made me laugh the other day is somebody sent uh, just like... Um, 
like I forget what it was. It was uh, it wasn't anthrax, but it was one of those. They just sent it to the White House. Uh, and that just made me laugh that I, somebody put poison in an envelope and just was like, to White House. And then in their brain was like, I'm sure he's going to open this one. Yeah, when he's well, sitting down there with his cornflakes. Yeah. It's just, just testing opens if the all mail the White works. House mail. Speaking yeah, of just, which, uh, saying things like that, I'm banned off Facebook, baby. Wait, what? Yeah, I just don't know how to log on. It doesn't want to help me. And I actually, it feels very freeing. Oh, you didn't say something that got you in trouble. You just can't. I, I, get yeah, I just think that they're like annoyed with me saying things like that out loud. And they're like, we don't need this dude around here. <laughs> sure, sure. An, an well, appeals check. process? I don't know. I haven't tried to get back in. It's kind of nice. I like it. Can you guys not hear me? Am I, I not can, coming I, through? I can hear you. Brooks, can you hear Jesse? I cannot hear Jesse. Oh, that's why you guys are talking over each other. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's been, hor- that's been horrible. Um, I thought we'd already cleared up that everyone can hear everybody. Brooks, have I, you ever I, heard Jesse this whole time? Yeah, I heard him at the beginning when we were talking about how was everybody's last seven and a half years. Okay, and Jesse, you didn't hear that just now? No, we can't hear each oh. other. <laughs> oh, Brooks, okay, J- Brooks, Jesse can hear you, but... You can I, can't hear Jesse. I can hear everyone. I can't hear Jesse. All right. Let's have Jesse log out and back in, maybe. Is that a good idea? Okay. Hey, uh, Jesse. Hey. I got hey. it now. Oh, is everyone everybody? <clears throat> yep. Yep. All right. Next time I see somebody drop off, I'll, ra- I'll like, uh, alert us. I'll oh, because you, when, when you can't hear them, you also can't see them on the screen. Is that true? Correct. Okay. Okay. Back when okay. We were Jesse. Yeah, back. I was wondering what was going on. I was like, God, Brooks got so rude during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, uh, but then he just like couldn't hear me. So he's just talking. And, I, well, you know, I was, so, I, and I was thinking, I was like, Jesse got unfunny during the pandemic. He's yeah. Just Jesse, like, <laughs> Jesse well, got severe social anxiety. Yeah. Just, I, was, <laughs> I, I was like, he's got, he's coming in with, the, there were long lulls. I thought both Matt and and Andy forgot how to host, and that Jesse didn't know how to talk anymore. I was like, well, this thing's gone to the birds. We, yeah, we pause just... every so often for like about 10 seconds and then start talking again. Yeah, that's what was happening. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what you, okay, all right, I guess I'll keep yelling. Yeah, yeah, no, I had a bunch of killer, uh, oh my God, the heroin forklift driver. I had like a spoon to fork riff. I mean, oh, I'm, man, guys, that's great. That, sounds, that's that great. sounds great. I missed it. Dude, I was, I was like destroying over here. Nobody oh. can hear it. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. I was totally killing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 very rough. That's okay, though. That's okay. I think uh, we could still count that. Yeah, anyway, no, uh, coronavirus is real, and it's, uh, it's real, and it sucks. And, um, and libertarians, hold on, I'm trying to remember what we talked about. Um, uh, let me think of any funny points I had. Um, libertari- <laughs> libertarians are all like, don't, don't make my girlfriend wear a car seat. Um, uh, you can't make my girlfriend, put my girlfriend in a booster seat. Libertarians are horrible. They're horrible. Okay. okay. Um, hmm. Let me think. Um, and then we were talking about Penn Jillette. And I was like, yeah, magicians love masks. Or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I was killing it for a second. It sounds good. Oh, yeah, there was good. the masked magician. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it remember, was good. Remember when the masked magician took his mask off and he was like, it's me, Frank Benepinito. And we're like, who the fuck is Frank Benepinito? <laughs> I thought it was going to, you could have been, you had two magicians that I would have known. <laughs> One of them was Charlie Chaplin. I don't even think he did magic. <laughs> Wait, there was a masked magician? 
yeah, you don't remember this guy? In like the fucking late 90s, it was like a Fox special where he's like, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to go against the magician's code and I'm going to teach you how to do these tricks. And then at the end of like this like four part series that was incredible because it just taught you magic. He's like, it's me. I even forgot the name I came up with. Benny Benito. Val Val Valentino. Yeah, and I was just like, I was, I was like, if it wasn't David Blaine, I don't give a fuck because I only know him. Right, Copperfield, come on. If it was David Copperfield, I would also be like, cool. Yeah, no, no, real talk, Brooks. How many magicians do you think you could you could list? Oh fuck, Chris, (laughs) Chris Angel, David Copperfield, David Blaine, uh, and Benny Benito. Four. (laughs) Okay, four magicians. Uh, A Blackstone. Is that somebody? Pendulette. Sorry. Pendulette. Pe- and tell- Teller. Teller Gillette. Yeah, Teller's a freebie if you've already got pen. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 Ricky Jay, better known as the guy who's in all the Paul Thomas Anderson movies. There you go. Yep. Ricky Jay counts. Ricky Jay certainly counts. R.I.P. I yeah. bet I bet I could name too many magicians, which is which sucks. <laughs> and you can't do magic, Jesse? I forgot. I can do a little bit, you know, a little yeah. bit. My, my nephews. They'll force us all to, you know, watch him do something. Uh, yeah, sure. Is it any good? I mean, I have. I always see. You know, I I know what's happening over there. I, I know they don't know real magic. Sure. Unlike these other people we're talking about. Yeah, who are actually really doing the thing. They're just uh, really uncreative. Yeah. You know, like bring back my wife or something. But they didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like they don't do it. They're just. They're just like I know how many coins you have, and I'm like, this is a. You're like a weird wizard. It's so lame. Oh, that's a great that's a great idea for a bit, Jesse. Like magicians, like if they're real, like God, what just lame wizards? Yeah, yeah, they're just like guessing a card instead of like, uh, you know what I mean? It's like I bring my dad back, you know, yeah. from from the dead or something. You're um, using the ability to fly just to float through a hoop instead of rescuing children from burning buildings. Yeah, yeah I know it's it's really really narcissistic and boring. It's really yeah. weird. Really Charged, weird. Yeah. All right, so that's what we've decided. That's the first part of the 400th episode. Magicians are just lame wizards. You know what I think would be really fun is um, is to go to a magic show, like in the audience, like um, like as a real wizard, like dressed up like Merlin. Sure, yeah. You know, and and uh, and and just be like, like that'd be great. Just like, no, this is false magic. And uh, and <laughs> this is cultural appropriation. Oh, oh dude, good, nice. Have you guys ever worked the uh, comedy and magic club? Many times. Okay, so you know, how, sorry, there's a train going by. I live next to. Do you? Do you yeah. live in the Blues Brothers apartment? Now? Yeah, dude, <laughs> it's horrible. It's so horrible. Um, so uh, Did, was that train mic'd up? <laughs> no, that's how close I am, Brooks. I live. It's like it comes through my house. It's horrible. You, um, Frank Grimes style under a bowling alley and over another bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Um, horrible. So I, I would go to um, when I would host Comedy Magic Club. Some, a lot of times uh, they make you share a dressing room with the magician so you don't like bother Larry Miller or whatever. And I would, I would uh, be in the dressing room. And uh, one time I was in there with this magician and he's like prepping. So he's like shoving uh, like a sword down his sleeve and he's like, sh- you know, shoving coins down his pants and all this stuff. And uh, he had these handcuffs, I remember. And he uh, he put these handcuffs like in his crotch, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, then he goes out and I, I watched and he did his magic show 
And then just like no- nothing ever happened with the handcuffs. <laughs> and he just like left. And I always wondered like if he ran out of time, like if he sort of improv it like the way we do where we have a loose set list or like it was totally unrelated. Like he was just a... <laughs> uh, that just helps him focus. Yeah, it helps him focus. He, he you know, because you would never know if you saw a magician setting up. They could do anything. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, and he's just a freak. I don't know, wig me out. Like they Pretty produced one fewer dove than they packed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was a weird time. Sorry about the train though, guys. <laughs> no, I like I like finding out about that trade. What if he was just like, you know, like he could send somebody in the audience like how you're like, no, oh, maybe I don't do my 9-11 bit. Looks like, you know, there's a couple vets here. You know, maybe he noticed there was a couple ex-cons in the audience. He didn't want to, you know, throw them, you know, say yeah. some say something that would uh, offend them. Handcuffs are triggers to, yeah, ex-convicts. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um what are we uh so what's what's going on did you guys have stories i don't know the episode 400 yeah. vibe well two different people i'm surprised it was only two different maybe i've missed a couple of emails but rachel carter and uh jp oh I, i'm guessing from the email jess pearson both sent in alligators on helium which was one of the winners of the ignoble prize okay i'm gonna put so that two there. Two alligator alligators on helium were awarded the prize, not yeah. people. Yeah, they're really branching out this year. A team okay. of scientists who put an alligator in a helium-filled box and made it shout have won an Ig Nobel Prize. Cool. A prestigious-ish award that commemorates the sciences, science world's more unorthodox experiments. I put the link to this in the show notes, by the way. You can click on it if yeah. you choose. The group, led by researchers from Austria and Japan, were attempting to find out whether alligators' vocal communications relate to their body size, but it was their method rather than a hypothesis that caught the eye of the awards committee. Uh, Another experiment which was awarded found that narcissists can be identified by their eyebrows. Hmm. Okay. So it sounds like coronavirus pandemic also affected who got Nobel Prizes this year. It seems like less... Well, this is uh, the Ig Nobel Prize, which is a different committee. Oh, okay. I was like, they're just like, look, not a lot of people could do a lot, and uh, these guys got a gator in a box. Yeah, yeah. Lock, it's like <laughs> lockdown experiments. It's the yeah. same same thing is happening. Weird lockdown experiments. Right. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the same as uh, online stand-up shows. They're like, look, experiments are just going to be a little... They're not going to be fun for anyone, but we, <laughs> we feel like we should do something. Right, right. We f- we found out how roller skates could increase your sex drive or whatever. Um, I'm I'm way more curious about this narcissistic eyebrow situation. Yeah, same here. Let me they really link to the, a full story about that because I read it uh, earlier. So eyebrows can identify narcissists and also help you know what the rock is cooking. Yes, but but these days he can't smell what he's cooking. Um, <laughs> given the given the old given the old COVID, huh? Yeah, it's tough, to, it's tough to be on also, fire. On yeah. fire. That's why you're going to want me not muted on here. That's why we're going to have to solve these problems. I, uh, hmm. Poor Rock, man. Poor Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, he why? actually got it, didn't he? I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he beat it. Well, of course he did. He beat it into submission. It's, very, it's not even a <laughs> pandemic anymore. Um, after The Rock got it, after he yeah. was finished with it. Huh. Okay, so the, these... <laughs> so, so well, narcissists... Yeah, talk about the narcissistic eyebrows, please. Um, so there are... Th- Narciss- this is an article in Business Insider from June. This is before they even won the prize. 
This was when they were just publishing their findings. Just for the love of it. Yeah. So narcissists can be tricky to spot, especially if you're in a romantic relationship with one. This tends to be because they rely on using and manipulating others to fulfill their needs and desires, all while blending in like a chameleon. Uh, there are three distinct types of narcissists, and they often behave in specific callous ways, but it can take some time to work out their patterns. Even when they're exposed for what they are, narcissists can still hook in their victims again by promising they will change and giving out intermittent reinforcement. But according to a new study published in the Journal of Personality, you may be able to detect a narcissist by focusing on one particular facial feature, their eyebrows. Researchers Miranda Giacomin and Nicholas Ruhl recruited participants to look at the faces of people who were all across the narcissistic spectrum from a pretty normal level to a full-blown narcissist and it turns out they were pretty good at identifying them strangely when participants were shown pictures of just the eyebrows they could correctly identify the narcissist too they highlighted a a narcissist would spend way more time on their eyebrows like what are they going to show a unibrow and then people are going to be like well that's not a narcissist that's a weirdo yeah, well, here we go. So they, they highlighted femininity, grooming, and distinctiveness when they picked out the narcissist, but results showed it was distinctiveness that was the key. Hmm. Narcissists tended to have darker, thicker, more distinctive eyebrows. The researchers tested the re- results again by photoshopping narcissist brows onto the faces of non-narcissists <laughs> and vice versa, and the eyebrows gave the game away again. Eyebrows yeah. make our faces more recognizable, and in recent years they become something of a fashion statement. Narcissists may like to make a statement with their brows so, tan- so to tantalize potential love interests and make an impression. As the authors wrote... They may seek to maintain distinct eyebrows to facilitate others' abilities to notice, recognize, and remember them, thereby increasing their likability and reinforcing their overly positive self-views. But it could is, also be... Sorry, go for it. Is vanity the same thing as narcissism? I, I no. No. Um, vanity... Narcissists, like, can, can hate themselves, you know? Um, and also not keep up their appearance. I guess I just didn't know if it was directly... No, nar- narcissism is like a personality disorder, um, and vanity is a trait. You know, um, I don't think they're indirectly related, though. I think, an, I think no, they're not indirect. I think if you're if you're narcissistic, you're more likely to be into vanity too, because you want to. In my head, yeah, sure. But vanity doesn't mean you're a narcissist. I, I didn't think it. Ha- I mean, I, I, it had to be people who who groom their eyebrows meticulously who are still good people, right? I mean, they can't be just. Yes. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily the grooming either. Well, that's what surprises me because I'm right. guessing there well, are a bunch of men in the group who would be less likely to groom their eyebrows, but still have apparently narcissistic eyebrows right yeah a lot of self-portraits there frida gallo a lot of (laughs) self-portraits you know (laughs) it was there all along wow so this article also says it could also be simply because eyebrows give away more social messages than we realize they're important for our facial expressions but could also reveal subtle subconscious information too the ability to identify dark personality traits at zero acquaintance provides particular value for avoiding exploitation and manipulation, wrote the researchers. The increasing incidence of narcissism underscores this value. Fortunately, people can accurately judge others' narcissism based on how they act, what they say, what they wear, and what their faces look like. Well, I wear, I carry around, I wear a tank top that says I'm number one. And then I also have a big foam finger that says, fuck you, I'm number one. That I just 
have on at all times. And I think those are clues that I ha- that I, I uh, have vanity problems. I, do they make foam fingers that are the middle finger? Because that would be fucking. I great. had one. Yeah, it was. It was. I got it at a WWE event for Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> It has a big black one, and it said, it said is a middle finger. It was so fucking dope. Dude, I got dragged harder than I've ever been dragged on Twitter because I accidentally thought Stone Cold Steve Austin did the suck it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. you, des- you deserve whatever happened. Well, dude, I don't uh, care, you know? Like, I, like it's uh, it's fine. Yeah, whatever, you know? Who, who does that? Is it the Triple H? Mankind? The Degeneration X. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Brooks. I thought you liked real wrestling. I don't know. I, you know I, I th- they're not mutually exclusive, okay? It's like vanity and narcissism. All <laughs> sure, of the generation sure. X did it. We're talking about China. We're talking about Shawn Michaels. We're talking about Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We're talking about X-Pac. We got the Road Dog, and we got Jesse... J- what, uh, uh, God damn it, I can't who's, think of... Who's that thinking man's wrestler who wears like the uh, smoking jacket? Oh, there's so there's been a number of those. I can the, there was the road the road dogs. Okay, hold on. I'm looking up who was in uh oh god. Um all right. Now keep 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 talking. Okay. I'm, well no, Col- I just Colt Cabana. No. He's awesome. He's funny. You guys should have him on the podcast. He's Yeah, he's we've great. talked about it. We we were going to do it when he was in LA, but then that didn't happen because of well we were in different places, but now I guess we could record a remote one. Yeah. So what was Stone Cold Steve Austin's thing? Uh, he, um, he was just like, uh, cause that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. And then he would slam beers. He was, he, right. He's just like a, he's sort of like a Trump guy, just wrestler guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. So rude. So rude. So rude. So rude. Uh, he sounds like more of a Teddy Roosevelt kind of, like he's that kind of he's guy. He's awesome. Maybe? He's awesome. Um, he, he just was just like. I drink beer and I fuck and like and fuck you. He hates the man more than anything. He's like the working class guy. His whole thing is he hates whoever the boss is. Okay. You know, so he's always fighting with um he was always fighting with uh with Vince McMahon. And the other two dig- members of Gen- Degeneration X were the road dog Jesse James and badass Billy Gunn. Okay. Okay. Fair. So they all did the suck it. <laughs> uh, they did the suck it move. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was, yeah, wrestling Twitter had a field day with me. Um, it's tough. For my, uh, yeah, no, it was a tough day for me. It was tough. It was tough, you know? Yeah. It was scary. Um, yeah. Okay. So this, this eyebrow study is in the Journal of Personality, which is, at, so at first, I'm going to be honest with you guys. At first, I sort of mentally called bullshit on this study, but then I've been reading the, like the actual paper um, behind it. It seems like it was like an, a well-funded, legitimate blind study. Yeah, the journal um, of personality as well sounds like a sort of self-help book. Right. So, so, you know, sometimes a bullshit article will make it through, but it, it looks like an actual study. I think the way it's described is pretty bad because it doesn't sound like a real study that you could actually, you know, it's just like you, you're asking a bunch of people their opinion on stuff from self-identified narcissists and that doesn't necessarily work. I don't I but I don't think it was self-identified narcissists. I think they wasn't it? I thought they they were people the people in the photos are people who have been given narcissistic personality tests like quantifiable tests. Sure. Okay. Um yeah, I just mean I just mean a lot of red flags went off for me reading the like Psycom version. Yeah. 
you know what I'm saying? But then it looks like it looks like a pretty legit study. Um, crazy, man. That's crazy. I don't know what we're supposed to pull from that. Yeah. How do you, is there, I mean, I guess it's not like a thing you should be trying to hide because it's not like, uh, if you are a narcissist, you're probably even trying to hide. I guess you would be trying to, it's like a catch 22. Can you know that you're a narcissist? Like, can you really accept that about yourself? Or is it a thing where as soon as you say it, you cease to be a narcissist? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I think this whole thing started as, started as some scientists sitting around wondering why Trump looks so weird. And then they had to come up with like a study. Because that guy's, I mean, he has the most insane eyebrows anyone's ever seen ever. Everything about his, every part part of his hair. It's like, it's crazy that we even, we've gotten past that. Like, we can't even make fun of it. Yeah, but like, like, I mean, Trump's narcissism is on a level that's like, we're like, you know, narcissism is only one part of the circus that is the problems. You know, like, it's like his narcissism is the elephants at the zoo. There's so many other things going on that it's not like, oh, what a narcissist. Like, no, that is actually mean to people who are just narcissists. But well, he, yeah, no, he's also an idiot and a, and a psycho, but like he, he does have a pathological, like a pathological mental block where he can't accept fault ever, you know? And, and it's, it's like, it's an actual personality disorder. Like I, I think just like point blank, perfect example of one. Yeah. But I'm saying like, he's, I mean, yeah, he's the perfect example of what a narcissist is. But if we're like, oh, that's what a narcissist is, I would be like, well, there's only one in the world because he's the only one to know who's that fucking bat shit out of his mind that it can never accept any responsibility for anything except for, I guess, most other politicians. See, I I disagree. I think it's that he is he's so dumb. He's also really bad. Like he can't fake normalcy. Oh, okay. He's a bad narcissist. Yeah. Like he can't. I mean, I think that exists a lot where people secretly think I'm the best or whatever, but he's so like, like he can't, he can't fake the right thing to say in certain situations because he's such a dumb shit. But if you're a narcissist and also born a millionaire and the pre and are the president, like it's going to be hard to disprove your theory that you're right about stuff uh, right hey i got a question for you matt are you finally gonna vote this election huh <laughs> still you coward not still not allowed to no I, i'm joking mm. they gotta that, change yeah. the law about felons i don't know why they don't change i know ah, gotta, there it is we it. got it we got it we got him <laughs> i just can't help my temper <laughs> Matt, you and that famous that famous temper. Yeah, the yeah. most famous thing that ex con say, I just can't help my temper. <laughs> uh, you don't want to cross me. You so, don't. You don't. Sorry, guys. There's another train coming by. I can already hear the whistle. <laughs> hey, listeners, we're gonna interrupt this episode for a second to talk about our sponsor. You probably know them by now. If you are a regular listener to the show, you know that we are frequently sponsored by The Great Courses Plus, a online receptacle sure. resource c- com- compendium of <laughs> a huge number of lectures on pretty much any subject you can think of taught by top experts in the field, university-level professors and experts it's just about anything yeah the classics like history literature and science to hobbies and leisure activities like gardening learning guitar cooking so i i just started on this this plays into a lot of things that i like because i don't know about you but 
one of my possible go-to jobs other than astronaut and podcasting comedian mm-hmm. i was I, I considered medicine for a second or two okay it was on my list of possibilities i never got very far down that thought process but there is a course taught by the same professor of the course i was doing last week that's why i found it a doctor he's a pediatrician dr benarot uh, and it's medical school for everyone pediatrics grand rounds basically you get to be a sort of doctor dilettante it's all the fun of being a doctor with none of the effort and hassle and struggle and the hours of learning i remember my, my, the medical students in my university spent a long time with coloring books did you have med students an, you were an, living with when you no, were in college no, no like anatomy coloring books or what yeah it's exactly that like they have an anatomy coloring book that they were using to learn all the different muscles and nerves and bones but um but anyway essentially on this course you get to join the doctor on his rounds and play you get to play house cool cool like the tv show you get to basically you know you're taking their vitals you're you're getting their history and you're trying to solve their problems that's so, awesome so that's, that's a, what that's, i've been doing that, that's, that's my much- new one that i've got queued up much more high-minded than my, my, my courses I've explored in the Great Courses Plus have tended more towards leisure activities and uh, sometimes drinking. I've talked about the beer course that I watched. Yep. That was great. Um, I also don't know much about wine, so I've started watching the Instant Sommelier, Choosing Your Best Wine. You can that is uh, good. learn how to choose whites and reds and sparklings and desserts. And there's even a whole episode on just the wine service ritual in case you're a total noob to that and you want to look... Like you're not. Does it include sabering when restaurants uh, come back? Um, oh man, I haven't actually watched that episode yet, so I'm not. I hope so. Sabering is something I've always wanted to try and do. That seems like a. Bad, I, I was at a thing idea. once that did it. It was is nonsense. I mean, it's just very for anyone who doesn't know. It's essentially removing a champagne cork with a sword. But it's like not the cork. You're removing the the whole end of the bottle, right? Or not? Oh, that's right. Yeah, bottle, I think you are, I think. aren't you? I think yeah. you lose a lot of, of the contents of the bottle in the process, but it just makes you look like a uh, samurai or something. <laughs> um, but you can find out the specifics of that by watching uh, the Instant Sommelier so, course on the Great Courses Plus. So no more panicking when it comes to, do you want to taste the wine in a restaurant? Yeah, and, and wondering what you're supposed to say once they've given it to you expectantly. Yeah. Um, I guess you just say yes or no. But again, I haven't watched that episode yet. So but there you go. anything if, you want to study, basically. You can, and you can for free. With our free trial, if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Yeah, and we recommend doing that. If you're at home, it's great to watch on on your uh, most set-top boxes. You can use the app. Um, You can also just watch it on a laptop, or you can listen with the app on a mobile device in your car and switch back and forth between audio and video. It's They've got it all figured out, these Great Courses Plus guys. So once again, that is thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. You're just living in the worst Johnny Cash song. It's uh, yeah, no, it's seriously, it's coming by. This is the seven fourteen, guys. The seven fourteen is coming by. There it are goes. You, are you a train spotter now? Is this your hobby? Well, no, it's so I know, like, when I have a window to fall asleep, I have the schedule ta- taped up to my wall. <laughs> you do not. You do not. Yeah, yes, I do. Oh my god, will you send me a picture of it? I want to see that. That's yeah, I'll amazing. send you a picture of the train schedule. But oh it's my uh, god. because there are only these certain windows where I'll have like over twenty minutes. You know what I'm saying? Where I can, <laughs> where I can like safely fall asleep. Does it go at night? Like all the way through the night? Yeah, it's horrible. They're not. Uh, I mean, what? they're not. They're not passenger trains. It's not like living by the subway. They're all like full of coal and right. shit. Wait, it's do you, horrible. Do you get? Is your 
rent? Do you get a disc? Do they pay you to live there? Like, how does rent work in that situation? Almost. I, it's uh, yeah, it's in East Nashville, and it's like a really cool house um, that I got super cheap because I was like, yeah, I'm gonna. This will be great, and I get to renovate it. I get to do whatever I want to it, and they don't care. Get to um, renovate someone else's house? No, no, I don't mean I get to renovate. Like, um, hey, here's a list of work to do. I don't mean like that. <laughs> But I mean, like, I'm not going to lose a deposit if I decide to tear down a wall. Oh, God. Or what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think you're imagining it much worse than it is. Okay. Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's nice. It's modern. It's well put together. Uh, it's next to some train tracks, and it sucks. How, yeah, how often does a train hit it? <laughs> uh, the train hasn't hit the house yet. Okay. <laughs> and, and I did think about that. There is a buffer. There's there's another yard in a house. The train would sort of roll over and crush before it got to my place. So <laughs> I'm not right next to the tracks. There's another house in between. Um, okay. If, if you wanted to hop the train and go somewhere else, like how far could you travel? I I don't know. I've, I haven't looked at the um, the maps. There's no passenger trains come through Nashville. And they used to. Like um, if you were to stow away in a boxcar. Could you could you get to LA for free? I think I could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with like door to door service. Sort of. I mean, I've. I, it's weird. I haven't seen. I sit on my porch a lot and watch the trains go by. You know, and um, I. <laughs> are you are you a blues musician now? <laughs> I am becoming just a blues musician. It's horrible. Um, and I I know I've told uh, Matt, Andy, I've told you guys this, but you know it's East Nashville. Everyone's in a band, and you can like hear them practicing all the time. Um, and I live in between two different blues bands oh, that are like practicing, God. and it's uh, and I think they moved here on purpose. They're like, we got to be by some train tracks to like feel it, you right. know, to get inspired. And uh, are either of the bands good? They're, they're freakishly good. They're surprisingly good. Oh damn! So it almost like doesn't bother me. Um, I lived next to a horrible drummer before, and that was brutal. <laughs> But yep. um, these bands are, like, really, really well put together. They're, like, session players here in town. Oh, cool. Um, so it's, like, it's it's actually, like, a pleasure to listen to. You know what I mean? If I'm sitting out front, it's pretty nice. That's awesome. Um, the One time, we used to fill up water balloons with, th- with uh, like, uh, mustard and ketchup and throw them at people's houses. <laughs> of course. And um, one day, we realized a caulk gun... Uh, you know, you could get that right. Yeah, it's a perfect nozzle to fill up a, wa- a water balloon with caulk. Sure. And um, we, even us as terrible kids were like, we can't hit a house with this. This was really bad. This will really fuck it up. So we went and hit the, we threw it at a, at the train mm. and uh, felt okay about that. Yeah. Like, like, back up to the mustard and ketchup, like putting aside the logistics, that's an expensive, that's like $3 per balloon. Yeah. Well, I mean, we really hated the people we were throwing okay, them at. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you, you know where else is a bit more livable than maybe we thought? Where's hey, that? where's that? Where's that, Matt? Venus. Oh, hey, I heard. Oh. Bro- I heard yeah. that it's like Russia's now. They're like, that's ours. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but a bunch of people sent in a story that phosphine has been discovered. Phosphine gas has been discovered in the clouds of Venus, which potentially is a sign of life. It is. Well, let's yeah. get there. You, you, got, have, you guys have talked about the conspiracy, or maybe I don't even know if I did a while ago, about how um, we all came from Venus. No, I, I don't know this. No. You, don't know, you don't know about this, about how Venus was Earth 1, 
and humans overpopulated it, but they got smart enough that that's why it is so like phosphorus and it's just like overrun with carbon monoxide and all that or whatever carbon dioxide and unlivable. It's because um, uh, they like industrialized it too much. And then, you know, like a couple hundred fucking people got on a spaceship and came to Earth and were descendants from them. Well, I know the women did that, but I thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's I mean, every, that's a very famous book about that. Yeah. Oh, um, OK. Yeah, but I thought we came from Mars. I thought yeah, we all just sort same. of met met here, like a mm-hmm. like a Hunger Games type thing. No, I'm in, in seventh grade. Uh, it, it, I remember it specifically. I, it was my teacher, Mr. Kalkbrenner. He was uh, nice and he taught math. But one day he decided, I don't want to teach math. I'm going to do this wild conspiracy theory about Venus. <laughs> and um, it's all I remember. <laughs> I just one day out of nowhere, he's like, ah, fuck math. I'm mad at whatever I have to teach. Well, I'm going to tell you guys about Venus. And it was it was incredible. It was I, I, it was way more fun than fraction. I love those days. I think everyone has like a couple of teachers who once or twice in their career with you will just have one day where they go off on their pet projects or whatever they're yeah. weird about. Yeah, yeah. It was all, in college one time, uh, our physics professor, like high-level physics, you know, like engineering physics professor one day to teach us about vibrations uh, for the last 10 minutes just wailed on his electric guitar. Awesome. And it was yeah. fucking <laughs> awesome. Um, that's, yeah. I had that's a teacher sick. once, was it Mr. Saunders? I think that was his name, who was just, we were... I'm going to say 12 at the time. And he, he spent a whole lesson just going, all right, tell me a story from the Bible and I'll explain it with science. Okay. That so we just like great. shouted out miracles and he's like, he was, he was sort of explaining possible scientific reasons for it or explanations. Was, was your teacher the master magician by any chance? Yeah, that's exactly what he was. He's nice. not supposed to give away those secrets. I tweeted something about this recently, but I, I'll never forget it. It was when I was in sixth grade uh, we took a field trip to uh, the Renaissance Fair, like the Tennessee Renaissance Fair, you know? Yeah. And um, first, it was a bullshit Renaissance Fair because it had one of those, like, human chess games where, you know, somebody, two different people are calling the game and then the people on the squares fight, like a, like you know, a life-size thing. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, that sounds awesome. But it was this, it, well, it was like the Alice same. Alice in Wonderland style. Yeah, but it was the same game every year. You know what I mean? Because oh, they, they had like, choreographed real, they the fights. You weren't able to play real chess. It was like a predetermined match. Yeah, right. It was like a fake Henry VIII and a fake Queen Isabella or something calling a match. And it was, now, cor- it was- as a, as opposed to the real ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't they didn't bring in the real ones for the Renaissance okay. Fair. Yeah, yeah, Brooks. Okay. This and, is only Nashville. All right. Yeah, they don't. We don't have the budget for the real Henry VIII. Yeah. Um, this so is like a New York Renaissance Fair. In sixth grade, we went to the, <laughs> we in sixth grade we went to the Renaissance Fair, uh, and some kid next to me on the bus like threw something, and I got blamed for. I got in trouble on the bus, but I specifically remember I didn't do anything wrong, like it was it was like a bullshit trumped up charge, you know. Uh, and I got in trouble on the bus, and uh, so when we got there, all the other kids got to go off and explore and like you know do the axe throwing games or whatever. They're like be back by two o'clock. And I had to, my punishment was I had to hang out with Mrs. Bartlett, the, the biology teacher. I'd hang out with Mrs. Bartlett. And the whole time, I just had to follow her around because I was in trouble. And she spent about $300 going from palm reader to palm reader to figure out when she would get laid again. <laughs> and I just had to, like, sit there sit there with her. She went to every palm reader in the place, you know. And, uh, and probably spent her whole paycheck. I mean, it was, like, not good 
right. you know, uh, money. It was brutal. It was like the saddest field trip ever. <laughs> I love it. I, what was the outcome? I, I fucked her, but I, but I think that like uh, <laughs> yeah, how many did you have to do before you take the hint? Jesus, I know, I know. No, I um, to me, and it's like it's horrible in hindsight. But to me, like um, teachers going through like uh, any any romantic troubles, that's always been the funniest teacher to me. Like when they finally break down and they like explain their breakup to the class, um, <laughs> or like talk talk about their divorce and like how they lost their yeah. kids. You know what I mean? Like that last month of seventh grade when they made oh, right. it through the made it through the syllabus book and they just fucking go for it. There's the I, other I, ver- there's the other side of that where two teachers are obviously dating but trying to keep it on the DL. Yeah, I've experienced that too. I experienced that. Um, like, yeah, I, during Columbine, during the <laughs> Columbine shooting, uh, when we all like heard about it, we're all there at school and stuff. I remember. I specifically remember it was my birthday. Um, my birthday was on Columbine, and. That like missed it was four four twenty right four twenty yeah and wow, there's uh, more shit on that day because it's already oh, Hitler's it's, birthday yeah 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 no it's a horrible it's an absolutely horrible birthday um but also but marijuana not if you smoke weed bud yeah but I remember it, it Columbine was like you know it was the first mass school shooting of our modern era um and it was like terrifying so everyone at school was terrified like is this a planned thing is this going to happen you know they're talking about like the trench coat mafia is this going to happen other places right and um, yeah and and the answer was yes always forever now for sure but i also remember miss douglas and mr jones that's when i figured out they were having an affair because of the way like uh he ran into like comfort like they were comforting each other where oh, they were wow. they were like clearly banging and thought they were gonna like die together at work like in Mars attacks, <laughs> and it was uh, <laughs> it was it was fucking weird, man. Yeah, hey, that's all. Great. That's all uh, I got. Yeah, I had a teacher who I liked just to have a fu- he had a meltdown on me one time, and I was like, oh. And then the next day he's like, I'm in a fight with my wife, and I was like, that adds up. That you were you, you went bananas. <laughs> wow. Because he was just like, so he's like, sorry, I had a rough light, night last night. And I'm like in ninth grade, I go, tell me about it. My guinea pig would not be quiet. Yeah. He, was like, he, he was just like, I'm fucking over this shit. I'm over this shit. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the next day he was like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. And I was like, it's okay, man. Yeah. Uh, any Anytime like in a, in a non-creepy, illegal way when a teacher crosses severe boundaries with a child, <laughs> very funny to me. It's yeah. very funny. <laughs> like, uh, my, my kid's on smack, you know, and I'm just like, okay, man. I'm 12. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> I, I remember I had a teacher who I hated and I was awful in his class and he was a dick to me. And we, I was with my mom and he was with his wife and we ran into each other at a subway, uh, like after, you know, like at like seven o'clock, uh, you know, just a subway and we made eye contact and we both respectfully, I was like 12, he was 60, respectfully decided we were going to act like we didn't know each other <laughs> and no fighting at the subway. And it was, yeah. It was very fair. I, I was like, thank you for not telling my mom I'm awful. And yeah, I won't call you fat in front of your wife. <laughs> yeah, it's a place of peace. Yeah, a place of peace. That's what Jared taught us. Yeah. So, so this phosphine could mean there's life? Yeah, could, could mean there's life, could not mean there's life. Who knows? 
Who knows now? <laughs> I want to do this story. I just put it in the show notes. Victoria, uh, sorry, Veronica Led- Ledgler, Legler. Apologies about butchering your name there in two different ways, but sent in this story. Who wants to do the obvious joke? The headline is, Scientists discover oldest sperm yet preserved in amber. Well, she's always had a thing for... <laughs> right. Um, yep, yep. Okay. Interesting. So they found this old jizz laying around. Yeah, in amber. Yeah. The longest sperm in the sample is one-third the body length of the creature that produced it. A postage si- stamp size sample of amber contained 39 half-millimeter long crustaceans called osterocods, including 31 of a new species. There's a picture of it in the Smithsonian mag article. Uh, oh. Ostracods. Ostracods. And they, uh, they yeah, they, they're, it's weird, like, every time they jizz, uh, it'd be like if uh, just a giant tadpole came out of your dick, and that's the whole, that's it. Yep. Like one big... Two-foot tadpole, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. And uh, 100 million years old is this sperm, by the way. Damn. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. It is. Yeah. It's amazing to me, too, that they could, that scientists can can know the age of something by flavor like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Three for three. Hey. Hey. So. What, Matt, what was the previous record holder? Uh, I don't know. About a month. um yeah it's just yeah guys well well i'll tell you what it was it was 50 million years older uh this one is 50 million years older than the previous record holder that was uh in the cocoon of an extinct species of antarctic worm Mm. They they found a bunch of jizz in there um but this new jizz at least um, relative to the half millimeter long creature that produced it, it's a it, it unspools to a, a jaw dropping, about half an inch uh, far longer than the animal that produced it. It's weird that the Smithsonian keeps calling it jizz. It, that is that is weird. And then so like says, womb goo. Why are they? Yeah, it says the cock snot in the amber was discovered. <laughs> this inside paragraph of a, says baby batter. I don't think that's what it's called. That's that's so yeah. That's interesting. I feel like they're bored too in the pandemic. Four hundred uh, episodes. <laughs> 400 episodes. Um, So it says here, uh, the reproductive strategy of using a gigantic splooge is unusual, but not entirely unique. Modern uh, ostracods have giant sperm too, as does one species of modern fruit fly, um, says uh, Becky Ferreira. Um, But the giant sperm preserved in amber and described in the paper published last week in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B... Uh, in the, it's their annual jizz issue, shows that the, <laughs> the, the strategy can be surprisingly successful. Um, you know, we weren't sure before, right, if animals uh, that switched to using these, uh, these giant cum loads at a certain point in their evolutionary history are doomed to become extinct very quickly. Um, but in ostracuts, it worked for more than 100 million years. That's a good stretch. That is a good, uh, yeah, for it to fit out of the urethra there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, uh, the, um, yeah, it requires extra large reproductive organs to move them around. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Which is enormous costs. Yeah. According yeah. to the paleontologists who discovered this. Yeah, it takes a lot of biological energy to produce such a, um, such a large uh, piece of spluff. And... <laughs> Um, so you might think it doesn't make sense from an evolutionary standpoint, but for ostracods, there must be an advantage because uh, they're still around. Yeah, 
It also says both male and female ostracods have pairs of reproductive organs, two sperm pumps and penises on each male, and two paired vaginas in each female. Hmm. Do, do they have to match? Do I they don't have know. to? Like, do you, yeah. what happens if you get a, like a left jizz in a right in a right puss? According to this article, <laughs> a left jizz in a right puss. What? <laughs> Classic yeah. reading. I'm just reading from this. Classic, classic mix-up. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they have to match. That's cra- yeah. That's all. Uh, that's crazy to me. I, but you know, I'm I'm inexperienced. Never slept with an ostracod. Um, well, they got the amber now held in the Lingpog Amber Museum. Huh. Amber's got her own museum. Yeah. Well, it, you know. So yeah. She's famous now. Professor Matsu Karaz is the one is the paleontologist who discovered this, and used uh, 3D X-ray techniques to map the soft tissues of the preserved ostracods. It says here, when Chinese Academy of Science- Sciences paleontologist He Wang mapped the sperm, it looked like a messy coiled ball. The longest continuous cell found is at least 200 microns long, about a third of the creature's body length. Wang sent the 3D image back to Matsu Karans to get a closer look. I immediately congratulated him on having reconstructed the oldest animal sperm, Matsu Karaz says. Yeah, that's a big congrats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would tell him congrats. Yeah. Way, way to go, you fucking weirdo. All right. <laughs> I, I thought you were working on uh, this Venus project. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just, da- just dating some jizz there. All right, all right, all right. Well, let's go. Let's get back to things we can use. Yeah, this is such a perfect thing to try to read to a class of third graders and just dare them not like. And it's, there's someone named Wang also. This is too much. Yeah, He Wang it, is the name of the. Yeah, it's too much. It's it's too much. I mean, I get I get the scientific significance of like if you had uh, if if you had one sperm cell at a time. And it's bigger than your body, like figure, you know, the amount of energy it would take. Would it be worth it? Could you survive? I get all that. Um, But then they're like, "Uh, yeah, it can. It's fine. You know, it just had some huge jizz. And they're like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in layman's terms right there. uh, Well, I mean, that's well, that's the takeaway. It's like, yeah, no, I'm saying you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. When you explain it that way, I'm like, okay, yeah, we did need to know that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Paul Taylor, by the way, listener, sent in this by Twitter. Another story. Unless you have something else you wanted to add there, Jesse. Uh, no, no, I'm shaking in my boots for this next story. Well, this next story, <laughs> I think you might like this because you, you like music and sound and acoustics. And Paul Taylor says, being an acoustician, I feel this is a worthy story to cover. And also, we're in L.A. where we had an earthquake not two nights ago. Okay. All right. So sure. climate change earthquake hack reveals scale of ocean warming. Mm. Scientists have found a clever new way of measuring ocean warming using sound waves from undersea earthquakes. The researchers say the hack works because sound travels faster in warmer water. They looked at sonic data from the Indian Ocean emitted by tremors over a 10-year period. As the seas have warmed due to global heating, the scientists have seen the sound waves increase in speed. Their new method shows the decadal warming trend in the Indian Ocean was far higher than previous estimates. Having accurate information on the warming of our oceans is critical for climate scientists. They understand that around 90% of the energy trapped in our atmosphere by greenhouse gases is absorbed by the sea. 
But having precise temperature measurements in multiple locations and depths is a huge challenge. So, apparently, so how how they uh, how they figure it out then there, Matt? Well, okay, seems, well, they, seems undoable. Seems undoable. No, it's pretty doable. So what they used to do, what they what they still do, is they deploy around four thousand autonomous devices called Argo floats that capture temperature information. But there are big gaps in the knowledge, especially in the waters deep in the two thousand meters. But now, this team has developed a very different approach that exploits the fact that the speed of sound in seawater depends on temperature. It was first proposed and trialed in the late 70s using sound waves generated by scientists, but concerns over the impact of these sounds on marine mammals and rising costs saw the ideas abandoned. So originally they were just sinking massive speakers into the ocean and blasting sure. sound that would just terrify <laughs> yeah. the whales for, mil- for miles around. Right. But instead, the scientists examined data from around four th- from over 4,000 tremors that occurred in the Indian Ocean between 2004 and 2016. The team then uh. looked for pairs of repeaters, earthquakes with almost identical origins and power. By measuring how long these slow-moving signals took to travel across the waters from Indonesia to a monitoring station on the island of Diego Garcia. That doesn't sound like a real island. No. That sounds like no, a real that's not, that's, that's not real. That sounds like what a guy calls him. Like he's like, I live and like, no, you know what? I, I, I scratch out my any attempt at a joke. <laughs> I mean, can, are you guys are you guys looking at that, Matt? I know you can see it. I mean, are you looking at that satellite shot of the island though? Uh, I am. I, I, crazy. Can you imagine just like living on a co- cool little weird research station there? I mean, that's that's like amazing. It looks. That's fake. A, yeah. It looks like a yeah. Video it looks game, fake. A video it game looks, level. Totally. Yeah, um, so it, that's uh, that's where they captured. That's Epstein's Island. That's uh, that's, that's little Saint uh, whatever, little Saint James, <laughs> little Saint James. That's like what his island is called or really? something. Yeah, his island is like Epstein's Island is like little Saint James. I think it's having Ugh. a little in the name. Oh, I couldn't uh, even wait for yeah. it to become it's big Saint James. Little, little Saint James is a small private island. Uh, yeah, owned by Jeff Epstein. Oh, it's got a review. It's got a review on Google reviews. No, uh, no, no, 1.7, no. Uh, 12 Google reviews of uh, Little Saint James. Uh, let me read some of them. It's oh, unbelievable. No. Um, uh, local guide, just once a lot of one stars. Nobody has. Uh, Nobody says, I guess you can't live like, leave like local reviews. Uh, but yeah, not great reviews for uh, Epstein's Island. Wait, how did you find it? I, I'm seeing a Reddit article about how Google's hidden the reviews. Oh, I don't know. I just clicked on it. Oh. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty solid stuff. Uh, yeah, so either way, Hold on. so well, Epstein this- was doing some good work is what we found out. You know, also awful stuff that he was murdered for, but he was also, you know, measuring in Indonesian water temperature. He was. Well, and it but but there's that- this one, there's one review, this one five-star review from, hold on, from absolutely for sure not Jeff Bezos. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. So I got one five-star from that totally random user. Um so, okay, so yeah. Yeah, it takes yeah. the sound waves about half an hour to travel from Sumatra to Diego Garcia, according to lead author Dr. Wembo Wu. The temperature change of the deep ocean between those two places causes this half-hour time travel, or travel time rather, to vary by a few tenths of a second. 
Because we can measure these variations very accurately, we can infer the small changes in the average temperature of the deep ocean, in this case about a tenth of a degree. The author says the system has major advantages as it's able to provide a large-scale average temperature along the 3,000-kilometer path from Sumatra to Diego Garcia, which reduces the influence of local fluctuations, essentially making it more accurate over the ocean as a whole. It's also quite cheap as it uses data that's already being gathered and is sensitive to temperatures deeper than the current restrictions of two kilometers. In their research, scientists showed that warming in the Indian Ocean over the decade they studied was greater than previously estimated. But it has some important caveats. It's important to emphasize this is a result that applies to this particular region and this particular decade. We need to apply our method in many more regions and over different time frames to evaluate whether there is any systematic under or overestimation of the deep ocean trend globally. It's too early to draw any conclusions. Oh, okay. Mm. Um... I have a fun. I've got. I've. I have a fun little thing. A fun podcast. I'd just like to see if you guys that I'm. I'm obsessed with. I want to see if any of you guys have been listening to. Uh, it's called Our Fake History. You guys discovered this one? No. 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 Oh God. Probably science listeners. You got it. You're in for a treat. It's uh, just a guy who goes through hi- historical myths and explains if they're real or not, and they're dope. Uh, and this is just like a new one. Like I didn't, there, I didn't know. Like um, uh, there was this conspiracy theory of like was Queen Elizabeth actually a man? And like there was all this conspiracy theories that like because Queen Elizabeth Queen was Elizabeth like you know first, like the original first, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, like the the like oh best, right right yeah. So like the best like um, you know English monarch you know alleged, yeah. like you know she did great uh, for you know England. She I mean, was you around more yeah, William Shakespeare's time. Right. The so, so the thing was, she, she was Henry VIII's daughter, right? And there was this thing, there was this idea that she was, you know, shepherded away and raised by these other people. And well, she he, died. he was always calling chess matches in New York. Right. Yeah, he's busy. He's busy. But then one day he got <laughs> off of a chess match and he's like, I'm going to go visit this daughter because everybody else is dying and she might have to take over some shit. Uh, but she had died and the people who were supposed to be raising her were like, we're fucked if she died on our watch. He'll, they'll kill us. So they went and got this other boy that she was friends with that was her age and had red hair like her and dressed him up in girls' clothes. And then he was an imposter, became Queen Elizabeth. So this is like and, the Paul McCartney myth, but... Yeah, yeah. so this guy has all the... He's got all sorts of these, like, 100 episodes of these, like, fun historical myths that he busts, you know, and it's just, like, shit you didn't even know about. And that's just, you know, a quick plug for a thing I have nothing to do with, but a thing I've been listening it's to It's a pretty sound theory, though. I mean, like, what could be easier than to uh, impersonate a little girl by using a little boy? Yeah, I mean, like, he, he like, tells... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's honestly a flawless plan. Everybody knows that before the year 1800, everybody was incredibly dumb. Uh, nobody knew how anything worked but, before. But, but you know what? This is before anyone had any pictures of anyone. There wasn't a. There were no images. Yeah. There was no. Yeah, you had the yeah, word it, queen versus the word king, though. In the, it like, gender, look, you know, I've there just like a conspiracy theorist pouring a over portraits at the time, going like these uh, portraits don't match. 
fun historic. Yeah, but that, that's why there she was. She was always saying like she was manly and stuff like that. But then he goes about how like she would say she was manly because people were like it, it was important to be manly in that time and shit like that. Either way, it's pretty dope. He's got one about like did Shakespeare write the plays and he goes you know in like a two hour like deep dive of that. It's pretty good. It's good stuff. Here's my here's my theory about the Shakespeare thing. Like it seems to it seems to rest on this idea that. Shakespeare, the guy, was like he came from relatively moderate means. Yeah, it's classism. Yeah, well, like you go, like his his parents weren't educated, so he would have had to have taught himself to read, and he also knew about history that he might not have been taught at school. But like, only one person wrote the complete works of Shakespeare. Loads of people through history have done better than their parents and like taught themselves to read and done stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's way no. less impressive than right. Whoever is able to write the complete works of Shakespeare is probably also pretty smart and can maybe do better in school than his parents did. Yeah, and he goes through like all the people who say there's no way he could do it. And it was like Mark Twain was like a huge there's no way Shakespeare did this guy, which is crazy. Because I, I think Twain is pretty, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, I, I respect him, but he was this massive conspiracy theorist against it. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know Mark Twain was. Well, at least there's a yeah, reason. Yeah. When, when you're a Mark Twain, you can see a reason why you'd want to believe that because you don't want to believe that somebody could have done better than you did or, or put out more than you did. Be more well, and his, like his main thing, he's like, I'm Mark Twain. I've written these things. <laughs> I, I'm not as good as Shakespeare. And I'm like one of the most famous people ever, especially in Hannibal. Uh, or wherever you know Missouri, where he's from, yeah, yeah. and uh, he's like, there was like, there's nothing from where, where is Shakespeare's from, like Cheshire or something, like Stratford on Avon, Stratford. Stratford, Stratford, yeah. So he's like, there was nobody caring about that. I was like, well, it was fucking the 1500s, and people were more worried about dying at the time. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> but it's cool. It's fun stuff. I recommend it. It's a you know, it's a nice companion piece to this. What's pod. it called again? Our fake history. There we go. And it's like. It's good. Yeah, they have, you know, he goes through Billy the Kid. That's a good one. Like, how bad was Blackbeard, you know, and like the myth versus what's real, you know, and uh, it's dope. And I've listened to those on my car rides lately. Does he talk about the death of uh, William Henry Harrison? No, no, he hasn't gotten that one. I, I've also been listening to a podcast called Presidential that dedicates one episode to each president. And it turns oh, out cool. the same thing might have killed three different presidents in the 19th century, which was Bullets? which was the fact that literally the water in the White House had human feces in it. What? That's probably what actually killed Harrison. It wasn't that he gave a speech without a jacket on. That's probably what killed Polk like as soon as he left office. That's probably what killed uh, Taylor. All these died within like 20 or 30 years. The White House was like down, downhill from where everyone in D.C. put their human waste. And it just seemed What about Lincoln? What about Lincoln? I, I don't think he was responsible for Lincoln. Yeah, it was uh, John, John Wilkes Poop. John Wilkes Oh, Jazzy with the Grand Slam. <laughs> he hit a foot. Oh, he just hit for the cycle. Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should we wrap it up? Because I don't think we can beat John Wilkes' poop. I don't think we can either. <laughs> we we probably should. Hey, um, Jesse and Brooks, where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, earlier episodes of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, same same here. Uh, the Jesse versus Cancer Pod. You can fo- follow me and Brooks on Twitter. We're both on Twitter. We tweet yeah. about stuff. Yeah, 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 I've had Je- Jesse. You haven't done it in fucking, and you haven't done it my podcast yet. Uh, Matt, you did it. I was drunk. I <laughs> yep. feel bad about that. I got a lot of listener hate for uh, Matt's episode because I talked over him the whole time. <laughs> 
He came over to my house after Iowa played a morning football game, and I was a little toasty. And then Matt was just talking. I'd be like, and then what does that mean? And uh, so, yeah, listen to Entry Level. It's good. And I'm going to have Jesse and Andy on it uh, within, within the next month. Nice. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. And listeners, as always, yeah, you can find us at Probably Science individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, at Brooks Whelan, and at Matt Kirshen. ProbablyScience.com is the website. ProbablyScience at gmail.com is the address if you want to send us any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you want us to cover, any of that kind of stuff. Hey, hey guys, thanks for joining us. Hey, hey. happy 40th. Hey, 400. Happy, happy 400, guys. Big accomplishment. Yeah, that's insane. You guys are fucking nuts. Good job. It's pretty nuts. Listeners, thank you for sticking with us for 400 episodes as well. Yeah, listeners, thank you so much. Yeah, if you're still listening to this, you're even weirder. (laughs) Well, particularly, there's people who've started recently from the beginning, and I've got no idea how, like, looking at that, that's a commitment. No, that's fun, though. That's, like, to, to people who are just catching up, like, that's incredible. Like, when you find a podcast you really like, it's fun to, like, listen to the evolution of it. Like, I can't, like, I was so excited when I found this new podcast and there's a hundred episodes, you know, and I just started from the beginning and I totally get it. And I'm jealous of people who have, you know, 400 hours of this Um, that they get to fucking stare at a wall. More than one person who's listening to old episodes. I know there's one tweet we actually got a couple of days ago from Rob Matthews and we've had other messages. Apparently last August we were talking about an Ebola story and Andy and I were both going like, who's this Dr. Fauci guy? Oh, Nice. Oh, dude, I've, have I told you guys that, like, uh, Adam, um, I was open for John Oliver one time at, like, a fucking, this is not a brag, this is a don't do this. Uh, it's, you know, way big, I, you know, 8,000 people, and then somebody just was screaming country summer from, like, the worst seats you <laughs> no. could buy. And I was like, this isn't my show, man, don't do this. <laughs> So shout out to whoever did that shout out. I do actually secretly liked it, but had to yell at you. <laughs> That's great. Listeners, again, thank you for sticking with us. Brooks, speaking Jesse, thanks for coming back us. to hang out. Yes, yeah, yeah, sticking with super us. Super fun. Do you guys have a few minutes to stick around and do a, a quick bonus thing for I I have to I have to I'm going to uh Arizona in the morning. Ah, okay. But um how many uh, minutes are a few minutes? Like five minutes. Yeah, I can hang out. For, I can hang out for five minutes, but I'm going to go on to my computer uh, microphone, and it'll be a little less be- better quality. Okay. See you guys. Bye. Bye. See you in a second. Bye.